0: That's BlueNile.com.
1: Casper, I'm going to say something shocking. I don't like toxic men. (laughs) (laughs) And I can realize that a toxic man is wounded, sad, coming from a place of pain. And it's hard to want to do both, to... Be compassionate, but also to not let other people's meanness hurt you. Mm. And that is what we are going to be talking about today with Lily.
2: Yeah. And it's especially complicated when the relationship that you feel stuck in is a familial one. Like it's not one that you can just leave behind, like leaving a job or ending a relationship with a partner, but it's more complicated than that. And I think there'll be a lot that people can resonate with in this conversation. I'm Kasper Kyle
1: and I'm Vanessa Zoltan
2: and this is the real question. Today we're joined by Lily who is a performer currently doing Summerstock in the Midwest. And she's also a Hufflepuff and a cat lover. And we are so excited to have you with us. Welcome, Lily.
3: Thank you so much for having me.
2: Lily, Vanessa and I are huge fans of musical theater, as you know. So I'm dying to get an insight into your brain, which is what is your dream role? And like, how would you interpret it differently (laughs) from how other people do it?
3: Oh, my gosh. I love this question. So (laughs) my dream role is jerusha from the musical daddy long legs i don't know it wow (gasps) look it up it is such a good musical it's a two-person show oh and i love small intimate shows like that where it's just two people on stage especially if it's the kind of show where you forget that there are two people on stage because they are creating the other people in their world for you so that's top of the list at the moment
1: And what is something about her that you're like, they always portray it like this, but I would do it angry.
3: Ooh. So it's an ingenue type character, which Mm -hmm. I'm typecast as often, I suppose. And I love making those kinds of characters just weird. Mm I'm Mm. (laughs) Terusha's character. She's lived, she's the oldest orphan in this orphanage. And she goes to this boarding school where, so she felt like an outcast in the orphanage because she was the oldest one there. And now she feels like an outcast in the boarding school. And I don't know. I, I She's not normal. She's a weirdo. And so I, <laughs> I would want to really bring that kind of quirkiness to her and not just play the sweet ingenue. Nice. Yeah. I imagine she wouldn't be. Mm-hmm. She'd be a little strange. And I like that. Best people are.
1: So Lily, what question brought you here today?
3: So my question has to do with family and with relationships. So it's specifically about my relationship, or lack thereof, with my partner's brother. Hmm. My partner and I have been together almost a year. I love him very dearly. And he has a brother that we see whenever a family gets together, which is maybe once a month we see his family. And he and I just do not get along at all. Like, it's we don't click. I'm not sure that he really likes me. (laughs) And I'm not sure why or what I've done. And... Yeah, when I reached out to you guys, I kind of felt like I was at my breaking point because it was, it's one of those things where you can't pinpoint a specific instance that's hurt you, but it's a bunch of small interactions that have built up over time. And yeah, there was one night where I just, I could not sleep because I kept replaying moments in my mind where I, had the conversation made me uncomfortable or sad and and I've since talked to my partner about it as well and and he knows and he's said yeah my brother's not a nice he's not a nice person and mm. so mm. yeah it, it got to the point where my partner actually spoke to his brother um I didn't realize he was going to do this but he was like you can't make Lily feel this way I I won't Tolerate it. And so since then it's gotten better, but it's, it's still very tense Mm. whenever we interact with each other. And I'm just trying to figure out how to deal with that because it's not like it's this unspoken thing. It's very strange. We've not spoken about it, but we both know. Like I know that Mm. my partner spoke to him about this. And he knows, obviously. And it's just not something we haven't talked about. And I don't know if a conversation needs to happen. I don't know if I need to get over the fact that he just doesn't like me and there's probably nothing I can do about it. I don't know if we can come to an understanding. It's not like he's a bad person. He's, he's not. He's just not a nice person, if that makes sense. And I don't... I don't get along well with people who are not nice. That's not, that's not me. So, yeah, that is what I'm struggling with. Did that sum it up? Mm-hmm. I have a,
1: um, a clarifying question. Yes. What is the difference between not nice and bad? Like, What does it mean mm. that he's not a nice person mm. but not a bad person?
3: He'll do things like, so there's an age gap between myself and my partner. So he'll purposefully make references that I wouldn't understand just to highlight the fact that I'm younger and it makes everyone uncomfortable. Um mm. I'm an actor, right? And that's already something that I have to explain to everyone I meet over and over again why I do what I do. And he's consistently questioned like my career path and challenging my ability he'll do the really jerk move where he's like do an accent no i'm not gonna do you do an accent (laughs) or i do theater so he'll be like well have you ever thought of just trying tv instead you would make more money and it's just little things like that right
1: write that piece of wisdom down more more money if famous (sighs) Oh, it, why did I
3: think of that? I'll just do yeah. TV, easy peasy. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I'm my wrong. bad. Or like, oh, I could be an actor. I could, you know, that that sort of thing. So,
1: how is he good?
3: He, um, <laughs> how is he good? I guess what I'm getting at is they've all been just small things. Small little instances or jabs and nothing huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was one time, like, we've had good interactions. Like, there was one time where I tried to get um, my partner's family together. We'll call him Daniel. Um, I tried to get Daniel's family together for his birthday. And his brother, we'll call him Ethan, He was the only one actually who was able to show up. It didn't work for anyone else's schedule. And he actually ended up paying dinner for all of us. And I was like, oh, that is so kind. Like, you did not have to do that. I'm a student. Hmm. I was planning on paying, but it would have been difficult. And he probably knew that. But also, it's a double-edged sword because it's like he paid for dinner. And I was like, I'll get it next time. And he was like, we can go to Burger King. Sure. (laughs) Wow.
2: Wow. Is he like this with everyone?
3: (laughs) Yes, he's like this. Yes. He's like this with his mother. He's like this with his wife. We'll call her Sarah, um, who's the sweetest person.
2: She would have to be.
3: So, (laughs) like, I, I don't know if this is an example you can share on the podcast, but there was one time we were all over at Daniel's parents. And Sarah and Ethan, they're married. And, you know... When you do the thing where, like, you want to leave a social function and so you text the person that you came there with and you're, like, ready to go, right? So I guess Sarah had texted Ethan saying, like, hey, ready to go? Ethan looks down at his phone and then Mm. looks up and says, why did you just text me you want to get the fuck out of here? (laughs)
2: Oh in front God. of
3: in front of her in-laws, in front of oh. her in-laws. And they were like, what, you want to leave? And she was like, I did not say that. I said, Do you, are you ready to leave? And so that's the sort of thing.
2: <laughs> oh, boy. And so
3: it's so tough because I love the rest of Daniel's family and I want to be around them, but I can't be around them without also being around this person. And I just can't. Stand or tolerate the way he treats other people. I realize I've not made a case for why he is a good person, but I still, I do believe that at his core, he is a good person. He's just yeah. not been. I don't know if anyone's really confronted him about the way in which he speaks to others. And I don't mm. think that's my place. So it sounds like the problem.
1: Mm -hmm. Is your brother-in-law is a jerk. (laughs) Yeah. But is the primary issue for you that you don't like the way he treats you, that you worry that he doesn't like you, or just that you can't stand the
3: way he treats others? Hmm. Sort of in all of the above, but... I mean, I can only really defend myself. Like, the way that he talks to his family members, Mm
0: -hmm. I can't
3: really say anything about that. I would like to be specific about the way in which I would like to be treated, but that's kind of an awkward situation, especially because, like I said, they're all small little jabs and not blatantly cruel at least to me, they've just sort of built over time.
2: Yeah.
1: What if I were to tell you that the examples that you gave are cruel? Hmm. Would you be like, no, they're really not. You're not there.
3: When I take them out of context in the way that I did, I can see how they would sound really cruel, but it's also in the context of, like, he's a very funny person. He has a very quick wit, but then part of that quick wit is this um, inclination, I guess, to make fun of people. I I don't think the intention is to be mean. I think he gets away with a lot of this stuff because he is very funny and very quick-witted, and I think we admire those kinds of people. Like, we tend to give them passes, Um, Like, oh, he's just making a joke or don't be so sensitive, right? When we encounter people like that. So.
1: I just happen to think that I was just kidding is like the last defense of assholes. It is like the most passive aggressive form of gaslighting, right? Like it's I'm pretending what I said it wasn't offensive and I'm pretending what I said was okay even though you and I both know it wasn't because I was kidding and so I just want to make space for that possibility that like what he's doing is actively cruel and he's also funny and he's also you know generous
2: what also sounds like every example you've shared with us Lily is about making other people small Right? Like, Mm -hmm. even when he's doing something nice, like the Burger King comment, like, it's always putting someone else down. And what I'm hearing and what you're saying is that, like, if that was happening in another relationship, professionally or with a friend, you wouldn't just let that slide. But because it's an in-law family member, it's much more difficult. Like, uh, do you say something? Do you not say something and just take it? But that doesn't feel good. Like, does the fact that he's a family member change how you're, I guess, responding in this situation?
3: Yes, because I I watch the way that other people in the family respond, and it's very, they just kind of brush it off and might shoot him a glare or something, but they don't really say anything. And so I feel like I'm taking cues from his wife, from his mom, from my partner in the way in which, and I'm like, what right do I have to say anything when they have all been dealing with him for much longer and just deal with it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I'm sorry. It sucks. And I, I also really hear you not wanting to just be like, I'm never going to speak to him again and I'm leaving. Like,
3: yeah, no, I don't. Cause I, I love my partner so much and he, I love that he has a close relationship with his family and. He'll say, you know, my brother's an asshole, but he's my brother and just the way he is and the way he's always been. And he's used to it. He's lived with this his whole life. They're close in age. Whereas for me, I'm like this new family member creeping in over the past year. And it's important to me. I I went, Daniel, to he's met a lot of my family and um, that's really important to me. And it's also important to me that I get along with his family and, and can see them. But that's the whole group. And so this person is a part of that group.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So we have to learn to play nice. <laughs> so Lily, why don't you tell us about your first text? So this is King of Anything by Sarah Borellis. So when I was trying to think of a text that summed up my situation this song was the first thing to come to mind i love sarah Borelis and i love her lyrics especially and i love the indignation of this song um and the frustration Mm. that i hear in it it resonates with me so the specific section you've got opinions man we're all entitled to them, but i never asked so let me thank you for your time and try not to waste any more of mine and get out of here fast.
0: You've got opinions, man. We're all entitled to them. But I never asked. So let me thank you for your time and try not to waste any more of mine and get out of here fast.
2: Mm. So why did you love this particular text? What resonates for yeah, you?
3: Yeah, it feels like my inner monologue Mm. that's going on as I'm sitting there with the rest of the family and listening to the conversation and attempting to respond to him. It feels like that's what's going through my head. Like, who gave you the right to speak to me this way or to others this way? Why do you feel like you have to be the smartest person in the room why do you have to make yourself big and other small? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Do you think he knows that's how you and other people feel? I mean, let me keep it to you because otherwise it gets complicated. Like, do you think he knows that's how you feel?
3: I mean, he's definitely aware that I'm bothered by the way some conversations have gone. Again, because my partner called him and was like, this needs to stop. But also when he called him to say, hey, this needs to stop. The response from Ethan was, well, what did I do? What did, did I say something? So there's definitely a disconnect there where he just really does not hear himself, I guess. Lily, what
1: strikes me about this song is how confrontational it is, right? Like. Me too. In the song, you picture Sarah Bareilles like at a Thanksgiving or at a bar, being like, "Mm -hmm. (laughs) you've got opinions, we're all entitled to them, but I didn't ask. Right, like, so thank you for your time. Stop wasting mine, right? Like this is very confrontational. I love it. Yes. It sounds like it's sort of cathartic for you. How do you think a confrontation would go down if you were to say this to him?
3: i I can't even imagine I'm not a confrontational person at all. Hmm. I mean you've
1: got the spirit in you,
3: I sure do, but then it comes time you know to have the argument. i'm like it's it's fine don't worry i'm I'm totally fine i so this is mm. this is the song I'm singing to myself as I'm like going for my morning run. Like I would have said this and I would have said that. and yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is how I would respond to you. But you know, when you're faced with reality, it's it's much more difficult, especially in this case where it's not like the perfect argument would be like he would say something and I would immediately know, what come back to give and that's not me i need time to process i need time to think through a response and i feel like i've just been conditioned and it's just my personality to not appear offended even if i am mm. as far as like the perfect response is there a
1: reason why like he has one set of rules right like sarah barella says right like he has his opinions and he's entitled to his way of being in the world but you are a different person as you said you're not a confrontational person is there any reason why when he says something like the burger king comment or the actor comment you could be like ah that made me feel bad
3: for me to say that to him Mm -hmm.
1: because like right like that's not confrontational Mm. It's not like the quick-witted response, but it's a response, and it's an honest response. And you could even say, I need to think about it, right? Like, oh, I need to think about why, but that really hurt my feelings.
3: That would require me to make him feel uncomfortable.
2: (laughs) Tell us more about that, Lily.
3: Wouldn't it? (laughs) Well, can you ever make someone feel anything? You
1: don't know how he'd feel. He might not feel uncomfortable. He might feel really defensive. He might feel like, That's oh, true. thank you for teaching me. Like, you can't make people feel mm-hmm. things.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. That's true. Uh, I could say that to him. Oh, gosh. Just thinking about it makes me so nervous.
2: Say more about that.
3: Uh, just because, you know, if I let it go, then it's like end of conversation, awkward moment has passed and we don't need to dwell on it but if i do say something then it's like oh i'm making i'm making a thing out of it i'm
2: well lily i, I that's not quite true yeah because you you are dwelling on it exactly. and it stays with you for days yeah. i mean here we are and you're talking about things that happened months ago right he's not dwelling on it no. but you are so that's not really the choice
3: right okay That is totally fair. I guess it just requires me to to be brave. And also, I think I just need to be prepared. Now that I know that this is the dynamic and that this is the way that conversations go, I think I just need to be prepared to call him out on it. Um, Because I hadn't been before. I would, going into... Like, if I know we're going to see the the family, I, I kept thinking, oh, well, maybe this time it'll be better mm. and we'll just all get along. Mm. And that's just not happening.
1: But sorry, Lily, I'm not trying to pressure yeah. you into saying yeah. those things because I, I do think that there are a million options as yeah. to how to handle this. Right. Like, it's a shitty situation. This guy's a jerk. But I I do think that there are a series of options, right? There's, wow, that hurt my feelings. But I think there's also ignoring him and, like, really working on something to, like, shake it off better and be like, that shit is about him and not me, right? Like, the only reason I'm offering this more confrontational option is because of the text, right? You brought us this confrontation. If that is your imaginary conversation and that is cathartic to you and healthy and helpful— great. I'm just like, this is an option, even though you're not quick-witted. And by quick-witted, I'm pretty sure it's easy to be quick-witted if you're willing to be mean. Like Mm. meanness is the lowest hanging fruit. So like, I I just don't want you to feel like, unless I've got the like Burger King perfect response, I'm not allowed to say anything.
2: Well, that's the other thing I was going to say, which is to say, oh, that hurts is not confrontational confrontational would be who the fuck are you to tell me what to do about my life you smart sad small little man right like that's confrontation (laughs) to say oh that hurt my feelings is to own your own experience and to let people into seeing what their words mean to you that is not confrontation like I think Sarah Bareilles here is is writing that line interestingly of she's saying like you've got opinions right she's saying what you've just said is yours it's not mine Then she said, Mm. I'm not going to let you waste my time. And then she says, and get out of here fast. Like her decision there is actually to leave. It's to get out Mm. of the situation. So I feel like we're putting so many options on the table here. And I'm curious, which particular like menu option, like what's off the table from from your perspective and what are the choices that you'd want to play with?
3: I love how you highlighted the fact that in, in the song, she decides that it's time to leave because that kind of reminds me that I've not really, I mean, through a third party, I've kind of created a boundary, but I have not personally created any boundaries. Like, hey, no jokes about my career. Yeah. (laughs) I'm working on my second degree in this. I don't need, I don't need your opinion.
2: That was great. Um, That was great.
3: Thank you. That's one that I have come up with in my head, in the shower. (laughs)
2: What would happen if you said that?
3: You know, he might just say, okay, that's fine and and move on. He might combat that and say, well, I wasn't wasn't trying to tell you what to do. Mm -hmm. I could see him doing that of turning it around and being like, what do you mean? You misinterpreted that wrong. Mm -hmm. If someone
1: is willing to be mean in order to hold on to their power and you're not willing to be mean, then they're gonna be able to keep that power, right? I've just been in these moments where like a man is hell bent on holding on to his power. And if you're not willing to like get in the mud, the question is what to do, right? Because I I really hear that second option that you give where he would just deny it and be like, oh, that's not what I meant. And like that is such a gross risk of the, it's just toxic, right? Like it's toxic masculinity. He's stuck in it too, where like, he's a victim of patriarchy also, where he can't even let in the possibility that someone is trying to actually like teach him something productive. I just wanna say like, that is a real yeah. risk. yeah. Cause like, you walk away from those situations feeling as though everyone lost.
3: Yeah, yeah. And I'm just so tired of these interactions with Daniel's family being just feeling icky afterwards, not because of anyone else, but just because of this specific person who's inevitable. And I can imagine too, I mean, it's, it's a risk as well with my relationships with the rest of the family, like with his mom, with the sister-in-law, you know, like, Well, why are you talking to my husband that way? You know, I I don't know if that would be the case, but there's a risk there. Because like I said, it's not like I'm watching them defend themselves.
2: Right. Right.
1: If we think that maybe, and I want to put a big, like bold underline to the maybe, there isn't a great way to talk to him, right? To say, hey, I don't like it when you talk to me like that and then turn on your heel or whatever it is. Do you feel as though there's something that you could do for for yourself where you're just like, this guy's a jerk. He doesn't like me and it has nothing to do with me. It's about his sad way to see the world and not care. Or come up with a game with your boyfriend where every time his brother says something shitty to you, he has to give you
3: $5. <laughs> That's interesting. Because I forget sometimes, like I'm not alone in this. Like I have a team member <laughs> who's willing to call
1: and, like, yeah, believes you and yeah, no,
3: absolutely. Like that was his. That was the first thing he did. Like I called. I hadn't slept all night. I called him at like six in the morning, and I was like, I have to tell you what's been racing through my mind. And you know, I was mortified when I found out that he called his brother. But I mean. That's who he is. Where he was like, no, let's figure this out because you're upset, and I wanna, I wanna help. And 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 it's not like we don't talk about this. Like I've said, I dislike how Ethan said that to me. Or didn't you think that was mean? And he agrees with with all of it. But there's also still the part of like he's his brother, and he has accepted like Ethan is a jerk, but he's my brother, and I want to spend time with him and. We still get along, and so I think a part of this is I just need to talk to Daniel about it more and just come up with a game plan for— because there have been times where we have walked away from interactions with Ethan, and I'm like, I could not wait to get out of there. And he'll be like, really? I had no idea and not, it's not his fault. Like, of course he had no idea. I'm an actor, so I'm, like, pretending everything is fine. And so if I can just be more... You should
1: really do that on TV, though. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I'd make more money. <laughs> um, so maybe I just need to be more communicative with, with him since he is so understanding.
2: I really like that as a as a good place to start. And And I'm also really mm-hmm. interested in what you just said of... Like you are good at pretending. Like it's literally your job. It is. And I'm curious how this interacts. This, you know, because with an audience, you want them to feel something. You're you're communicating a story, you're communicating a character. Like how how much is your ability to pretend? Does it get in the way of communicating what you actually feel when you're with people? Is this something that you experience more generally, or is it really just in this situation with Ethan?
3: 100%. It is how I interact with most people. I, I think I'm very much a people pleaser. Mm. And like I said before, a non-confrontational person. And to stereotype also, I'm also a woman. So I've been, you know, taught to make For everyone sure. else around me feel comfortable And so that's a big part of it. I mean, I have... I'm not a doormat. I have clearly stood up for myself and for other people. And so I'm not a stranger to that. I think it's just so different in this situation because, you know, Daniel is the person who I consider at this moment like a life partner. And I really want Mm. to... It's not like I feel like I'm going to mess it up, but because Daniel is so special to me, I know yeah. that his family is part of the package, right? And that's one of the reasons why I love him so much is because family is important to him and family is important to me. And so because of all of that, I just want to make sure that I deal with this in a way that's thoughtful and going to be productive and not going to burn any bridges. And so I feel like I'm treading more carefully than I would or have in the past with other people who have treated me this way, because there's so much attached to it.
2: That feels like a really good segue into the second text.
3: Ah! (laughs) All right. I'm excited for this one.
0: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey,
3: it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.
1: so lily what is the second text that you brought for us today
3: my second text is from one of the best tv shows ever written by phoebe waller bridge this is the tv show flea bag so the main character flea bag has a brother-in-law that she does not get along <laughs> with at all correct <laughs> and the context for this is that there was a big family dinner and it got way out of control and it's been a minute since I've seen it, but I believe Fleabag punched Martin and he punched her back or slapped her back. Um, and it was this whole ugly situation. And so Martin is actually, I, I believe he's suing Fleabag for punching him. And she he just wants an apology from her. So in this scene, he keeps saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. To try and get her to say, I'm sorry. And she's like, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. And if you've not seen the TV show, what happens is that Fleabag breaks the fourth wall all the time. So she looks directly at the camera. And so her inner dialogue is spoken out loud to the audience, which is really fun. Because in this scene, she says exactly what she wants to say to Martin and calls him all of these delicious adjectives, these, you know, (laughs) names. She uses all these wonderful words, um, and it's all very satisfying, and she even looks at the camera to say, I can't believe how well this is turning out. Um, (laughs) And then she ends it by calling him, and her voice quivers, which I love. She goes, and you're a weakie. I'm happy you found a way to deflect from your pitiful, self-sabotaging, ego-driven, masturbatory, I
2: cannot believe how well this is coming out, pawing insidious, insidious, overwhelming mediocrity, only to finally figure out that at your very core, you are a wiki.
3: And it's so funny, and it's such a perfect moment of television, but it makes me laugh because I see myself in that situation, like, I have rehearsed what I would want to say to this person over and over and over again, and it would go great until it doesn't because <laughs> I am human and I'm sure I would falter, you know, and and call him something like a wiki, which is really not satisfying. So that's the scene. Lily, I just I, – I happen to also know
1: this show pretty well. And I would say the big difference in the dynamic, as I understand your dynamic with Ethan and Fleabag's dynamic with Martin, is that Martin knows that Fleabag hates him. That is already established. Yeah. And so this isn't a vulnerable conversation for her. The only thing that's at risk for her in this conversation is that she come off as cool, that she win. And Mm -hmm. as I'm understanding what's going on with you and Ethan, that's not what's at stake with you. That might be one of the things. But, like, you guys don't have that dynamic yet. And that seems like an important difference.
3: Right. I guess I see enough parallels between Fleabag and Martin and myself and Ethan. But, like you said, we've not gotten to that point. And I don't want to get to that point. I don't want it to be toxic. I don't want to be at each other's throats. I kind of see it as, like, the worst outcome if we get to that point where we are talking to each other in that way. I want to get along with him. I When he is at his best and the family dynamic is at its best, I have a great time. Because, like I said, he's a genuinely funny person. And I love funny people. And I love the moments when, as a group, we're all getting along like that's what I want to bottle up and and keep as the relationship and so I guess you know it's still it's still early on like I said I've only been with my partner about a year now but it feels like it's truly a long-term thing and so I that's why I feel the urgency to nip this in the bud so to speak and and fix this before it goes off course
2: And that's, for me, the most compelling part of why you chose this text, is that this is the warning of what could happen if you don't. Mm -hmm. It's not the definitive outcome, but it's one possibility. And I think what you just illustrated, Lily, whereby you've seen this pattern long enough to know it's true. You know it's not just about you, it's how he interacts with other people. So yes, there's a personal element to it, but it's also, you know, it's not, not just that he doesn't like you specifically. This is how he is with people. But you haven't let it go long enough that if you said something now, why didn't you say something seven years ago, you know? And so I, I really like that you've introduced that word urgency because I, I think you're right. I think there is actually a bit of a golden window in which you can interrupt it. And one of my friends and, and, and work partners, Sue Phillips, always says that the way to change a system is to be different in it. Like, you can't necessarily dictate how other people are going to behave but you can choose how you are going to behave. And so, I'm really compelled, like, I would be so sad if you end up like Fleabag. I don't know, can we look at Fleabag and Martin like 15 years before? Like, what could Fleabag have said or done? Maybe in a conversation with Claire, maybe in a conversation with Martin, maybe just to herself in, as you were saying, like writing down the lines that she wants to say when something happens. What could Fleabag have done differently? A long time before.
3: That's a great point because obviously Claire and Martin have been together for a while now we don't see the beginning of those relationships and connections. I can almost picture them having a conversation like okay we don't get along right but our connection is is Claire and she's my sister and she's your wife, and we're going to be in each other's lives, so we have to figure this out.
1: So, Lily, I I see us as having two options. Option one is you being like, I am just going to let this roll off my back. Like, he says the Burger King comment, I walk away. And then at night when it's bothering me, I watch an episode of Fleabag, right? Like, I come up with a self-care routine, that works for me. I listen to the Sarah Bareilles song at volume 12, you know, and I just, I learn to care less, learn that it's not personal, you know, and like learn to sort of deal with this. And the other option that I see is a version, not of confrontation to Casper's point earlier, but to changing the way that you actually interact with Ethan. And I think that there are a bunch of ways to do that without having a big confrontational thing, right? Next time he says something hurtful, saying, hey, every time you hurt my feelings from now on, I'm going to go, eh, just so you know. And, like, he makes a Burger King comment, and you go, eh. He's like, why aren't you on TV? You go, eh. And he can roll his eyes at you every time, or you don't even have to announce it, but, like, every time he hurts your feelings, you say, Not hurt my feelings, and walk away. Or... That hurt my feelings and he reacts badly and you go, okay, I was just telling you it hurt my feelings and walk away. I'm not going to get dragged down and walk away, right? Like what I want for you, if that's the path you take, is some sort of rule of what you say so that no matter how ugly he gets in it, you can be like, this is the thing I say. I don't need to be the smartest person in the room with him. I don't need to play his toxic games on his terms, And I'm wondering which of those two paths, not saying that path two, I found the right one for you, but I'm wondering which of those two paths feels more feasible.
3: Yeah, thank you so much for consolidating that. I think I had been doing the former or attempting to do the former for a while, Mm -hmm. and it's just not been working And so I feel like it's time for me to try a different strategy, and I think that might be the latter, which is to be brave and to be honest and also to step into each conversation and interaction, knowing that that is something that I'm committing myself to, which is calling it out in a way that's kind and short and sweet, but effective
1: Because here's the thing about that is you're most likely not going to change him. You might change his behavior toward you, right? You really might. That would be great. But the thing that I wish for you, if you're doing that as a practice, is that it's practice and that eventually you'll actually start feeling differently Mm. and better and be able to do that kindly and with confidence and however you want throughout your life, right? of just like, yeah. oh, I didn't like that. <laughs> because then what you're training your brain is, I didn't do anything wrong, <laughs> right? Like he did something I didn't like. Yeah. So I'm just hoping it, it could change, not change you, but like it'll become easier.
3: Yeah, I, I would really love that because I know for a fact that I could get better at again, dropping those people pleasing tendencies. Mm-hmm. And because when I see other people practice that in real life, I'm like, what a badass. <laughs> I, I right. love those kinds of people who are they're so attractive to me, the kinds of people who set those boundaries and stick to them and know who they are and are super confident. And I feel like I have that person inside of me, I just need to be deliberate about making it happen.
2: I think that's my takeaway from these two texts. Is Sarah is saying the truth and saying it kindly, but it's private. Mm. And Fleabag is is trying to win an argument and be smart, in, but she's doing it in public. And it's like, how can we take the truthfulness and the honesty and the directness of Sarah Bareilles and the publicness of Fleabag and put them together? Yeah. Because I think Vanessa's right. This is not about changing him. And frankly, it might not even change the dynamic, but it's more about you having integrity with yourself because the longer it goes on and you don't say anything, the lower opinion you're going to have of you. And that's ultimately the shittiest feeling in the world. And so I I really love the way you said that, Vanessa, that it's about, yeah, it's about you practicing being honest about what you feel in public. And maybe, you know, one takeaway from this is like, actually, it's too intense to start with Ethan. Mm-hmm. I'm going to practice with my friend Joe, where I have this experience in a much, much lower level, right? Or when something happens at the bus stop. I'm, I, I don't know what it is. But that this is as much about the relationship with yourself as it is about with your partner's family.
3: That's so great. Yeah, because when I replay these instances in my mind, I'm not going back and rewriting what he says to me I'm rewriting what I'm saying back to him and so I think that just emphasizes like I'm the only person I can change in the situation I'm not going to change him I'm not going to change anyone else and not that I want to change anything about myself I just want to be more honest with how I'm feeling about the situation
1: you want to reveal part of yourself that's already in you right yeah And I really believe this about myself. I think that there is someone who does yoga four days a week in me. And I just want to bring her out, right? (laughs) By, like, starting with five-minute videos. And, like, there is someone in you who's like, wow, you treat me badly. (laughs) And someone who says that and is like, I don't put up with that. You know, I—or not even that. I put distance with my words between me and people who treat me like that. Mm -hmm. So— no. And I do wonder, Ariana and I talk about this a lot, that we love a rule. <laughs> and so I wonder if you can come up with a sentence that is just the thing you always say. So that the yes. the courageous yeah. part can be the part that you're working on and you don't have to look for the words of whatever it is. Like, I didn't like that. That's about you. Uh, you know, like, what whatever yeah. it is.
3: I love a script. Exactly. <laughs> I'm, an actor. I'm not an improv actor. I love a script. Give we me some lines to say. I can pull it off.
1: <laughs> and so, right, like, I wonder if literally you write out five situations that he's done to you, the Burger King one, the actress one, right? And you're like, what sentence would work in all five of these? Because most likely a version mm. of it will then work. Right? Like, really go, like... Whatever it is, ouch mm-hmm. every time until he realizes that you are going to say ouch every time.
2: And I think these lines will be so powerful when they're really mm-hmm. just about you. And the temptation will be to say, well, I don't talk about your right. career, blah, blah, blah. And then he can say something like, well, I, I don't mind if you give me career advice about me. Yes, you, th- you would So why that. should you care about it if I give <laughs> it to you, right? And so I think the more you can have one sentence phrases like... I'd prefer if you didn't give me advice about my career. Like just things that are about you that are one sentence that you can literally write down or I'd prefer if you didn't make jokes about our age difference. Mm. Like just things like that that you've already said and that I honestly learn them like lines. I really love this because it's using a skill that you have because you're going to be full of emotions in those moments. And the more you can have just one sentence that isn't, reactive and gets you into a conversation that you don't want to be in like you will feel so strong and so Mm -hmm. kind at the same time like you won't be dragged into something that you don't want to be in right and who knows how it transforms the relationships like it might be a great gift to that whole family because no one else knows how to do this
1: i also wonder i just want to prepare you for the fact that he he will answer yeah and at the risk of being advicey i would try to respond to every comeback he has with okay yeah so if he's like hey it was just a joke okay mm-hmm. cuz he he can't fight with okay but he also knows that you're placating him which will annoy mm-hmm.
3: him <laughs> that's really great i
1: even wonder if okay is enough as the first line like yeah you can pay for burger king Okay. Hmm. Like it's Mm. shutting him Mm -hmm. down every time. Right. Right. Why aren't you on TV? Okay. Yeah. Like it's about a practice for you. It's not about him. It's about a practice for you that will make you feel as though Mm. he has less and less power over your feelings.
3: Right. Right. The image I have with that word, the the okay, is just like brushing off, mm-hmm. like a light, yeah. like brushing off the shoulder. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not yeah. pushing, mm-hmm. it's not pushing him yes. away. It's not throwing something back at him. It's like acknowledging it and just like gently brushing it off.
2: And it's not letting it yeah. stick to you either. Exactly.
3: Right. Exactly. Right. I love that. Simple. Okay. <laughs>
2: Well, Lily, I feel inspired by you. And I know many, many people will resonate with this. And it's so hard to find that line of staying in relationship and maintaining your integrity. And it is not an easy thing. And I know that you will continue to find the balance that is right in this moment and in this particular relationship. So good luck. And thank you so much for being on the show. Thank
3: you so much. I admire you all. Very, very much. I listen to the podcast religiously and I'm just so grateful for the work that you do and the way in which you've touched so many people's lives. So thank you for all that you do.
1: Thank you. And we can't wait to go to your Broadway show. Ah, <laughs> yes. Front row tickets,
3: cheering. I'll send some comps. Don't worry. Oh, thank I'll send you. Out some tickets. <laughs>
1: we'll need them. <laughs> You'll be the star, and we'll still just be podcasters. <laughs> and we have this great maxim today, which is: "You are not a human doing; you are a human being." That is from Ellen from Kalamazoo, Michigan.
2: Well, you've been listening to the Real Question, and you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com/slash/realquestionpod. If you love the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, or you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Real Question Pod and on Twitter at The Real Q Pod. A big shout out to our BFF tier patrons. Laura Lorber, Amanda Schramm, Effie Howe, Ashley Mayle, Eloise Faring, Mary Margaret, Stephanie Fedowish, still my favourite name I think I've ever heard, Jenny Cruz, Kristen Hall, Becky Boo, Bitty, and Ari. We are a Not Sorry production. Our executive producer is Ariana Nettleman. We're mixed by Erica Wong, and our music is by Nick Ball. We're distributed by ACast, and very, very grateful for our very special guest today, Lily. Thanks, as always, to Julia Auggie, Nikki Zoltan, Lara Glass, AJ Aramos, Gabby Ayori, and Stephanie Paulsell.
1: Thanks, everyone, and we'll talk to you in two weeks.
2: Hi, I'm
0: Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.